We're putting the band back together. Twisted Minds brought you the original fan ball. We had a bad time with enough iron goat piss in the gas. This is the Fan Ball Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. And if you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. Thanks for joining us on the initial Fanball podcast. It's uh, kind of fun to say that. We're back. Uh, I'm joined by Scott Fish and Jay Clemens, the two newest Fanball team members. Uh, If you don't recognize my dulcet tones, I am John Tuvey, a former and now current Fanball employee. In our inaugural Fanball podcast, we're going to be talking about our quarterback rankings. We'll go over our consensus rankings. We'll talk about some of the guys were a little higher on or maybe a little lower on than our colleagues and uh, maybe give you uh, one guy that we're looking at as a potential starter if you're of the opinion that you wait on the quarterback position. So let's jump right in and let's talk Ben Roethlisberger. Jay, you're looking at a big year for Ben Roethlisberger. What are you seeing in Pittsburgh that has you so fired up about Big Ben? Well, it's, I think it's a totality of a lot of issues. I don't know if it's a one single thing. You know, some people were kind of scared off by the fact that he was thinking about retirement. I thought that was just a lot of posturing on his part. Um, you know, he, I have faith in him getting his body right and things like that. He's not the most mobile guy, but at the same time, he absorbs hits like nobody else. So, you know, I, I was never really worried about it. For me, um, you know, I think the Steelers have the best lot of playmakers in the NFL. So let's start with that, okay? Uh, let's start with uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, obviously they drive the, the machine PPR-wise, standard scoring-wise, for both running back and receiver. Uh, what I'm looking at, the, over the last four seasons, Big Ben has averaged 4,200 yards and 28 touchdowns, which, is, which isn't amazing. But keep in mind that uh, those figures don't account for him missing six regular season outings in the last two years. If you extrapolated it over a 16-game season, it'd be somewhere in the 4,600-yard, uh, 31, 32 touchdown range, which is a little better than Phillip Rivers uh, at this part. Um, for me, it's about him staying healthy. Uh, you know, but at the same time, I'm also leery that the fact that he has the, you know, he has the potential to sink below, you know, the top 10 over the season. That's why I think he's a much more attractive daily fantasy option than he would be on a seasonal option. The best thing I can point to is two years ago when he had the back-to-back games of six touchdown passes, he has that kind of upside that maybe only two or three other quarterbacks can match on a daily fantasy level, especially when it's done randomly. You've got him at number six. I've got him at 11. Scott, you don't even have him as an every-week starter. You've got him at 13. What concerns you about Big Ben? Away games. No, <laughs> it's just I, I think a little bit it's my dynasty mindset that I'm coming from. I tend to look a lot at upside. Uh, ben is safe. Ben is a very safe pick. He, he, I might have him a rank or two low, but there are just guys there that I think have incredible upside and a bunch of guys that could finish top five or seven. And I'm the, I'm the kind of fantasy drafter that I prefer going after those upside. Ben's just – 
I, I, to put it in crappy terms, he, he's just not the sexiest pick of, of the bunch. And uh, even though he is going to probably finish as a top 12 passer. Well, here's the thing, Scott. Now, would you agree that the Steelers have the best lot of playmakers or at least top five when you consider oh, everyone? Martavis Bryant, Sandy Coates, Justin, uh, Justin Hunter, Eli Rogers, Jesse James, uh, even Darius Hayward, uh, Bay, James Conner, and obviously Bell and, uh, and Brown. I definitely love Martavis Bryant this year. Bell, Roethlisberger, and Antonio Brown, you could argue, are the best triplets in the NFL. Okay. You know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. The best combo of that anywhere in the NFL. Yeah, it, it's easy It's easy to see that, and that's uh, that's a that's a good reason for why he should be a top 12 quarterback. Well, here's another thing. Would you agree, and I'm, this isn't a knock on uh, D'Angelo Williams, but I, I'm guessing that uh, James Conner will be a more – uh, balanced back where he can catch balls out of the backfield and things like that. Um, you can make the argument that the Steelers might run the ball more with Bell this year, but they'll actually be their ratio from, you know, uh, rushes to receiving might actually go up because Connor has more viability as receiver. So you take the totality of everything. As long as big Ben is the one throwing the ball, like, um, you know, top six, Top six for me is fine. It doesn't mean in a 12-team draft that I'm going to take him in round two or three, though. It just means no. that I know I can get him in round five or six, even though I have him at number six. I'm not blind to the fact that a lot of people in recent years have had him somewhere between 10 and 14 among you know the 32 starters. So that's probably the same this year. But at the same time, I just have high hopes for him, especially with that schedule going against the NFC North. You mentioned uh, the value of a pass-catching back which is a nice segue to a guy that maybe, Scott, you're a little higher on than the rest of us. You've got Russell Wilson in your <laughs> top five and uh, sitting next to you on a daily basis. I know that uh, you're also driving the, the CJ ProSize bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that factor into your ranking of Russell Wilson when maybe the rest of us have him a little lower in the top ten? I, I think he does have a lot of upside. I think he's got a lot of okay pass catchers. He doesn't have what Ben Roethlisberger has, that's for sure. I think a lot of what my optimism is, is that I think his touchdowns last year, although are more consistent with his earlier years, were more of an anomaly. And I think his 2015 season was more accurately accurately what Russell Wilson is. Um, I I think that old line is not still not great. And and I think they're going to have trouble running. And I think this year with Russell Wilson not hurt, once he got healthy last year, he was a lot better. And if he's not hurt this year, I think his numbers are going to going to improve. I mean, he set a career high in yards last year, and I think he could even improve, improve on that. Jay, you and I have Russell Wilson at seven, so outside the top five. Uh, are we are we smelling what Scott's cooking? Uh, I, I have him at seven, but it's not it's super secure. I think we talked about this last week off camera that uh, anybody after the front four, we can, and I'm including Derek Carr as number five. You, I could make an argument from anyone five to maybe even 16 in my list, um, which would be what, Tannehill. I can make a list, uh, uh, an argument that any of those guys could end up at five or six or number 16, uh, and Russell Wilson is part of that group. You know, here's the, the, the pro for, for me is that he was injured last year, or even though he was playing, we're talking about four or five games where he absolutely could not move in the pocket, so there was no threat of him running and things like that. When he's fully healthy, he's one of those running backs that's up there with Cam Newton where if he's fully healthy, you have to assume six touchdowns running the ball, and that that definitely helps him. So I think it's 
I think the receivers will look good. I think they'll have a good – they'll do a decent job of throwing the ball to, uh, you know, Rawls or C.J. Procise or maybe even Lacey. It's a kind of a Big Ben pick here for me, guys, where I'm not absolutely sold on Wilson every single week, but I think the totality of everything – and then from a daily fantasy standpoint, there's probably four or five tentpole games that I can pick where he's going to be top three, and that kind of boosts his ranking you know, over the season. And, and you touched on a point that uh, I, I think is really valid and, and will kind of come out as, as we're talking about guys that were lower on as well. That range from 5 to 14 or so, as Scott has said, you could throw them in a pile and pick them out you know, one name at a time, and you really can't quibble much with that ranking because uh, from from 5 to 14, and, and the guy that I'm going to talk about as a, a guy I have in my top five that you guys are both uh, have at number eight, falls into that same group, um, but I, I see him as having the most upside uh, of this next uh, clash or, or tier of quarterbacks, uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, you talked about the weapons that the Steelers give Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Jameis Winston has uh, – well, they've, they've added the, uh, the rookie tight end, O.J. Howard. They added Deshaun Jackson. They've got Mike Evans, who we're seeing in some places as the number one or certainly a, a top five fantasy wide receiver. Uh, it also goes back to I don't know what they're going to do in the running game. You know, they talk about how great Doug Martin has looked, but he's on vacation for the first month of the season. He's also a decent pass catcher. A lot of opportunities for Jameis Winston to really blow up big this year. That's why I have him at five. See, I love that because I had him at five as well. And when I put my rankings on Twitter, he was the one that people – him and I had Andy Dalton in 19, still do. And those two those two Twitter just hated me for. Uh, maybe I reacted a little too much to their reaction, but I moved Winston down to eight after that discussion. But I'm, I'm completely with you. I'm completely on board in it. I, their backs can catch too, even when they do come back. I, I know they didn't, they had trouble with running back injuries last year, so they had to pass more. But Sims can catch, Martin can catch, McNichols can catch. I mean, McNichols is kind of a little Swiss Army. I mean, there's, there's a lot of pass catching ability in that offense. They lost 99 targets. They brought in Deshaun Jackson, who had crazy enough 100 targets last year. It's like they just replaced that, that number right there. What do you think, Jay? Well, okay, I, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer person here. I have him at eight, but it's not the most secure eight of my lifetime. He, okay, both NFL seasons, let's start with the pro. 4,000-yard passing, both times, excellent, okay? He kind of reminds you of a Matthew Stafford at Stafford's age where, you know, he can put up those kind of numbers, and then the next year he could end up with five grand or something like that. But but I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but it's worth noting, um, Winston only had, uh, what, four games last year of three or more touchdowns. And if you want to be a fantasy stud on a daily level, you're going to need at least five or six of those just to be considered a stud. Um, you know, and uh, so that kind of works against him. And uh, probably most unfortunate, uh, Winston didn't hit that number of three touchdowns at all in his final eight games last year. So you can make the case, yeah, they lost 99 targets and they picked up 100 targets. But if I think the optimism for Winston would be even higher if he had flipped his season. If he had, had, if he had been really poor – uh, in terms of touchdowns, the first eight games and then rebounded the second eight games, I might have them at five or six. But right now, it's it's kind of a nervous eight, knowing full well that he could be nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, maybe even before October rolls around. You know, I kind of do like his floor, the, though, even you're not, even though you're mentioning he doesn't, he's not hitting the three game mark a lot. 
In his entire career, he's failed to score a touchdown only once in his entire okay. career. He scored a touchdown. But, okay, but what kind of value does it have um, in a daily fantasy format? It, it really has none because you're looking for guys that will just – they may not be amazing. And, like, he's, the consistency with yardage will always be there, 4,000 yards. But just I'm a little worried. Like, there's nothing – and if you look at their schedule, the NFC uh, South teams are getting better on defense. But the days of him – just routinely going for 356 and four touchdowns against the Saints might be over. Like, I don't know if he's a tent pole guy. I think he's one of those guys, when you look at the end of the year, his stats are there, but you can't really recall any games where he just dominated outside of maybe two or three. And that, that's the problem. Like, in this daily fantasy age, I don't know if he's going to have enough tent pole moments to justify being, you know, somebody that could be a number five or six or something like that. That's a good angle to uh, to segue into our next uh, topic, which is guys that we're maybe a little bit lower on. Uh, Jay, the guy that you're lower on is Andrew Luck. Now, he would strike me as one of those tentpole kind of guys that you could turn to on a regular basis in daily for the three-touchdown game, the 350-yard game. Um, but you've got him at 13. What's the rationale? Uh, it's a placeholder right now um, <laughs> because we just – no, and I'm being serious – we don't really know what's going on with him. I'm not worried about him playing this year, but I'm a little worried about him not getting sufficient preseason reps to set him up for week one. And you could even make the case, you know, two months ago I would have said it's ridiculous, but you could make a 15% case that he will not be ready to start week one. The Colts have been very hush about everything, and they've almost made it seem like, oh, well, it's really not a big deal but maybe they're just kind of trying to suppress any kind of real doubt. Um, and let's, let's not remember, as much as I love Frank Gore, he's going to the Hall of Fame. What are we looking at, like 10 or 11 straight seasons of 1,100 total yards or more? Like, he's, he's amazing. But the Colts, even with Frank Gore, I think have the worst lot of running backs. Uh, you know, Minnesota probably had that title last year after Adrian went down. But if Frank Gore goes down, there's nobody on the Colts where I'm saying – yeah, he can get maybe 60, 70 yards every game. It is a horrible lot. So it's one of those things where you would think if the running game sucks that that, that would help uh, Lux's uh, fantasy numbers. But the, when they were 11-5 and five for three straight years, he averaged 4,319 yards passing and 29 touchdowns. In this era of mediocrity with the Colts, uh, on a per-game standpoint, uh, Luck is only averaging 278 yards passing and two touchdowns. Those are good numbers. They look good at the end of the year, but at the same time, from a tentpole standpoint, you're never going to pick them in a, in a daily fantasy level unless they're going against the NFL's, you know, a bottom five defense against the pass. Yeah, and crazily, the defense is in that division. Watts coming back, Jaguars are better, and Titans are better, in my yeah. opinion, on all three fronts this year. Here's, I don't want to be that person that says the Jaguars are ready to be a dominant defense, but the, the days of them being just – you know, like Swiss cheese, like they've got, you think that they've got to be going down because just looking at the talent that they have and adding, uh, you know, Clay Campbell, who's not my favorite person in the world. He, he tends to go for quarterbacks knees, whether he does it intentionally or not, uh, that really frustrates me, but you can't deny his talent and his leadership potential with this group. Uh, You know, just from a name perspective, uh, Jacksonville has a top 10 defense just from a name perspective. Yeah. I have them. 12th, I believe, in my rankings. Here's all I need to know about what the Colts think about Andrew Luck's injury. Scott Tolzien, <laughs> Stephen Morris, Philip Walker. If they were at all worried about 
Andrew Lux Health, they would have been in the market for a Mike Glennon type, a Josh McCown type, someone that they could trust to throw in for two, three, four games. Hey, Tubi, what was your opinion on when you were doing podcasts in 2011? What was your opinion of that when the Colts were looking at not having Peyton Manning and uh, what Curtis Painter is their backup? Were you similarly confident? Um, man, 2011. I don't know that my brain goes back that far. I, okay. I would, I would think that uh, that if Curtis Painter was at the top of the depth chart, I would have uh, been reasonably confident that they believed Peyton Manning was going to be ready to go. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's uh, history repeating. They do have a new administration. Um, you know, I, I had Luck as my number one quarterback last year. I think we saw enough from him so to I. know that that he is capable of that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with wanting to see a little bit more of him during the preseason than uh, you know, to, to make us uh, feel safe. The guy that I thought Twitter would beat Scott Fish up about, and maybe they did, and it just got buried by the avalanche of support for or non-support for Jameis Winston, uh, you've got Cam Newton <laughs> a little bit lower than, than the rest of us. Uh, rationale and, and maybe the Twitter fallout from that. Well, I think the biggest fallout came from Christian Peterson, who thought I had him two, 13 spots too low. I have you only Cam- had him at 12. I know. <laughs> the, I, I, yeah, I have Cam at, what, 14 now? Yes. Um, I think part of it is just not being sure what that offense is going to be this year. With the, He's got a lot of weapons. I'm not going to mention the guy that is undraftable, but Kelvin Benjamin has worked his way back into shape, and he's always a you know 10 to 12 touchdown threat at least you know he's got Samuel he's got McCaffrey out of the backfield I don't know exactly how they're going to utilize all these players and I don't I don't know if they're going to pull back Cam's rushing it's just a bunch of question marks that make me you know rather pick a few other guys I think they're definitely reworking that offense I mean the the guys that they drafted do not fit what the Panthers used to do so they are definitely remaking things and I think a lot of that goes towards finding ways to extend Cam's career. And and part of extending Cam's career is going to be, you know what, I get that you're big. I get that you want to score the touchdown. I get that you want to do the Superman. But maybe don't call your number every time at the goal line. And I don't know if that becomes Jonathan Stewart, if it becomes a dump off to, to Christian McCaffrey, becomes the jump ball to Kelvin Benjamin, uh, if it means Greg Olson finally gets uh, in the end zone as many times as he deserves for all the work that he does. But uh, you know, I, I'm certainly sensing a, a shifting of, of the Carolina offense. Um, Jay, what's your, what's your Cam Newton take heading into the year? If this was Pee Wee Herman, the magical word of the day would be placeholder. Like, I, I don't – like uh, I feel this ranking is kind of a placeholder situation. Like I'm with Christian Peterson. If he's healthy and everything's going well, he doesn't need an elite core of receivers to uh, flirt with 4,500 yards, uh, what total yards, and then maybe 40 touchdowns. He, he, you know, his upside is off the charts. That said, um, there's a common sense initiative here. It's not the Panthers' fault that when uh, he had that concussion or he su- suffered concussion symptoms that one touchdown he had against the Falcons last year where he literally ran straight into somebody like Bryce Harper running into the outfield wall when he was a rookie. There's a common sense here that the Panthers can do all they can to, to keep him safe, but at the same time, Newton just has to know when to do the right play, when to take the smart play and things like that. You know, I, look, I doubted him two years ago fantasy-wise. I probably had him in the top ten, 
but it was kind of like don't waste your time in the top top two or three rounds and he ended up going for MVP numbers so you know I love the guy uh, I look in my you know one of my uh, CBS leagues with a friend that I've been doing forever where, where we get to keep people and then we have a redraft and then we have an auction it's a whole big thing like I always look forward to saving my money or Stafford or or Eli is my quarterbacks because I know that even though even if they don't have a great playmaking so even as a backup situation. So, you know, I like Cam, and if he were fully healthy, there's no way he would be outside my top ten. You know, I do have two Cam things before we move on. Well, maybe three. He has a top five schedule, which is nice for him. Uh, throwing, throwing passes under five yards, he was 58% last year. No other quarterback was under 70, which is crazy considering he's now got basically two short-range short options. Off his back foot. Like, I'm no quarterback coach, but that's been driving me crazy for, yeah. what, six years now, you know. And then the last thing is that uh, if you look at Cam's yearly statistics, last year actually wasn't out of the norm for him. His 2015 is the only outlier year, which I found oh. interesting. Interesting. But, yeah. Now, guys, you have to acknowledge that the elephant in the room – is the fastest elephant in the room. And that's Christian McCaffrey. Like he could bring a dimension to this offense that no one like no, Dave Gettleman could not have envisioned two years ago with that slow running back they had. I mean, remember, wasn't it Fozzie Whitaker that had a great game against the Cardinals in the playoffs? I mean, they were so sad offensively <laughs> or slow, I should say, where now this element of speed and just versatility, I mean, he could be a real game changer for the Panthers right away. Yeah, they are definitely remaking uh, that offense in Carolina. Uh, when Jay uh, finally does arrive in, in Minnesota, I have a feeling we're going to uh, come to blows over Derek Carr. Jay's got him in his top five. I've got him at 14. Again, we've talked about that range from five to 14 being relatively interchangeable. And I certainly don't hate Derek Carr. He's one of the flagship guys on uh, on my Dynasty League team. I'm fortunate to have him. I think he'll be a solid addition. But – I'm worried about that offense. You're bringing in Marshawn Lynch. That feels like a few more goal line looks that might have otherwise gone to Michael Crabtree or Cooper. Um, now winding up with Marshawn Lynch. And, you know, I, I guess as, as non-confident as you guys are uh, with some of these quarterbacks you've listed, Derek Carr, it's not that I'm not confident, but – I see him checking in in that second tier of quarterbacks. So, uh, Jay, I'll give you first shot at me since you've got him top five. What am I missing? Where, where, where am I missing the boat on Derek Carr? Well, it's one of those things. When I make my rankings every single week, um, I'm relatively confident that the team of uh, Cooper and Crabtree will probably rank in the top three among duos for that week based on their schedule. I think uh, – you know, I personally think the Chargers have the best lot of playmakers in the AFC West. So I completely understand the skepticism here. You know, Phillip Rivers, if you put him on Oakland's roster, I, I don't know if Phillip Rivers would do any better than Carr. But if you put Carr on uh, the Chargers roster, I think uh, he would do better than Rivers. So it's one of those things where this is kind of a leap of faith. Uh, yes, he still isn't thrown for 4,000 yards. But at the same time, his interception total was really low last year. You know, if he hadn't got hurt, he would have finished with, what, 4,300, 4,400, 31 touchdowns. That's a conservative number. Uh, like I said, like we've been saying for this entire podcast, I'm not absolutely certain. I will not bet my life on anybody outside the top four. 
Yeah, Derek Carr just happens to have um, a, you know, an upgraded tight end with Jared Cook, and he has the best, what I believe is the second best uh, receiving tandem in the NFL. So you put that all together, uh, I think that will help them. But at the same time, you know, I've probably felt more confident about guys ranked number five uh, in the previous two or three years than I do this year. And, of course, you're factoring Cordero Patterson into that. Uh, so Patterson and, and Crabtree, well, or it, Patterson it, and Cooper, which is the, the duo that you're ranking here. Cooper and Crabtree. It's an, <laughs> it's an outright crime that a team has not figured out how to use Cordero Patterson. Yeah, oh, he can't preach. really run routes, but just get the ball in his hands, and he, he it's amazing. Like, it blows the mind that – you know, I used to work for the Detroit Lions, okay? These coaches work – all the time. Maybe they take the month of June off and that's pretty much it. But these guys spend hours and hours just thinking of plays and looking at film. But sometimes they overthink them. Sometimes teams overthink it, the strategy too much. If, if you believe Patterson is the guy that can take it to the house every time, then you need to find a way of getting the ball in his hands seven or eight times where you're creating space each time. And it's amazing that somebody cannot capitalize on that. And hopefully this year uh, that'll be the occurrence. I've, that isn't to say he will never show up in my top 75 rankings. He has to bring it at first. The days of just assuming that he'll do well are over. Yeah, he's he's Percy Harvin. If Percy Harvin had the body yes. like he played, like, I mean, Percy Harvin played like he was 6'3 and 220 pounds. And, and sadly, I think that's part of the reason he's no longer in the NFL is that, you know, actually clocking in, what, a shade under six foot. and Yeah. 205, 210, uh, just uh, beat him down. Uh, let's dig into, you mentioned two of them as uh, earlier as quarterbacks you like to uh, to lock onto, but uh, Jay, we'll start with you. Once you get outside that top 12, so let's say you're in a, a redraft and you're waiting on the quarterback position, or maybe you're in a daily league and you're shopping for a bargain and the sexy guys are already gone, you're going to Eli Manning's house. Yes, uh, he... Well, let's count the ways here, guys. Odell Beckham is a top three guy, whatever order you want to put him, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell, that's fine. Odell is the most prolific NFL receiver in the first three years, I think. Um, Even, you know, higher than Jerry Rice, uh, uh, Bullet, Bob Hayes, guys like that. Like, three-year average, 96 catches, almost 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. I mean, that is just off the charts good. Um, But I think the Giants also have the most prolific – uh, receiving quartet this year, if you include Odell, uh, Brandon Marshall, who always has the capacity for a thousand yards and double-digit touchdowns. Uh, Sterling Shepard. If Sterling Shepard played for any other team, he would be a PPR potential monster this year. Instead, he's kind of the third guy. And then you factor in Evan Ingram, who is a tight end, but let's call it for what it is. Evan Ingram is this this little mini era, mini decades version of Jimmy Graham, where he is a receiver in a tight end's body. So if they find a way to use him, I think the Giants pound per pound have the top four receiving options. And then you throw in the fact that Paul Perkins is a major upgrade over anybody they've had in the last couple of years in terms of running and receiving. And I think this, once again, just like Big Ben, the totality of everything favors Eli Manning. Why would you dish Shane Vereen like that? That's that's just <laughs> cold, really. I just did, you know. <laughs> Scott, if uh, you're in a redraft and you're waiting on quarterback and having been in a couple of redrafts with you, I know that's uh, the way you like to approach things. Dak Prescott is going to be probably sitting there. He's he's outside of our consensus top 12. He's outside of my top 12. He's outside of Jay's top 12. But 
He's in your top 12. He's a, a guy that you're comfortable taking as the, uh, as the last quarterback off the starter board. Yeah. First off on, uh, on Jay with Eli Manning, I have him way too low. I love Eli Manning in the late rounds this year and looking at my ranking to 17, that's just wrong. I, I think I'm going to have to move up. Well, we just talk, I don't want to get move ahead here, but the, the redraft situation, Eli Manning is that guy that will always be there in round nine for you, or maybe He's even round 10 or 11. He will yep. always be there. It's, it's amazing. People have this blind spot sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Eli Manning is that blind spot to fantasy owners in the redraft. Yeah, it, it always happens. So Dak Prescott, he's just incredibly consistent. He, I believe in depending on your scoring, he was, you know, QB6, QB8, right in that range last year. And he was consistent week in and week out. And that is, you know, that's not as, as optimal in daily as you've mentioned. But in redraft, if I can get a quarterback like that late after all the studs have gone, uh, I will take it. I'm I'm a fan of what he has for weapons. I think he's going to pass more in year two. There's some worry about the sophomore slump, but I think he had 453 attempts last year, which is ridiculously low. Like that's that's crazy low. If, if he even adds 75 to 100 attempts, he could be he could be pretty decent. You know, I, I know there are questions, but you know, I'm I'm a fan. I'm I'm a buyer. You're a buyer, even with. Uh... Well, I guess it was a good Ezekiel Elliott stat that I turned up the other day. On uh, he led running backs in yards after the catch. So Dak dumping off to Zeke Elliott, a healthy Dez, Jason Witten, the underappreciated tight end. So underappreciated. There's there's some weapons there. He he could use a few more, but you know he he makes do with what he has. Cole Beasley was good last year. And and they drafted Super Cole Beasley's replacement. Yeah. Uh, plus, so, you know, Terrence Williams. Uh, you know, he he for what he is, he's not a number one. He's never going to be a number one when Des is out. But uh, as a as a two or three, as a guy, you know, if in the right matchup, if uh, if Des is drawing a tough cornerback, um, maybe Terrence Williams is a, a daily option uh, at a bargain price when you're filling out that third fourth receiver spot in your daily lineup. The quarterback I like to reach for, and, and again, I might be uh, battling Jay to uh, to snag this guy late, is Matthew Stafford. Um, I think, Jay, he offers the best of both worlds in that he's ridiculously consistent. I mean, his his last three years have been his down years. Oh, he's only clocked in at about 42, 4,300 yards uh, in the mid-20s for <laughs> touchdowns. Um, before that, when he was throwing, what, six, 700 times a season – uh, the numbers were uh, a little more jacked. Plus, he's always a threat to throw, you know, hey, 404 would not be out of the norm for that offense because they still don't have much in the running game. I mean, Amir Abdullah, if he can stay healthy, maybe gives them something. But I think they also want to throw to him. They want to throw to Theo. Uh, they're not going to bang away with Egan's own Zach Zenner. Uh, you know, that's that's not the uh, the makeup of the Detroit Lions. And how, how can you mention the Detroit Lions without mentioning Jim Bob Cooter and the offense that he brings to the table? He oversaw uh, a Saints offense that made Drew Brees uh, a fantasy deity for many, many years. Now he's doing the same for Matthew Stafford. And Stafford's a guy that you can get, again, as the quarterback you're sitting on, everybody else is taking theirs. You can grab Stafford, and, and I think that'll carry over into daily. He'll probably won't be one of the – more expensive quarterbacks on a weekly basis. He'll probably be in the lower end of the top 10 quarterbacks price-wise, but on a, on a regular basis with the right matchup, you can be plugging him in and, and looking for 404. 
Yeah, and redraft. I don't. I don't understand why anyone pays for quarterbacks. I suppose Rodgers is always like a top two guy when healthy, basically. But other than that, the guys we're mentioning, you can get really late. And yeah, Stafford is one of those that just man, such such a safe, consistent option. Jay, I I, I got to believe that uh, unless you're uh, you know at totally tongue tied, you you got a few words for us on Matthew Stafford. Well, yeah, okay, a couple of <laughs> things here. Um, uh, you know, I, people are going to know I'm, I'm a Detroit native. Uh, I, I try to stay objective, but I, I cannot be objective when it comes to Stafford. I uh, growing, uh, living in Atlanta the last 11 years. Obviously, I'm moving to Minnesota in a couple weeks here. But I, the second I saw Stafford, I said, oh, my God, this is John Elway. This is what John Elway looked like at Stanford, uh, you know, before I was watching football, but, you know, around that time. But it, it's amazing. And so I love this kid. They're really – even if you take his worst game ever, and that was against the Cardinals a couple of years ago, that was actually featured on uh, All or Nothing. You know that he can be bad sometimes, but at the same time, you're right. Remarkably consistent guy. You know you can put him basically down. He's like Philip Rivers, where you can put him down for 44, 4,500 yards, maybe 30 touchdowns every single year. You take him for granted. Um, you know you don't really love him in a redraft because you think, oh, I can do better. I can get upside. But from a daily fantasy standpoint. He's going to have at least six or seven games every year where he throws for 340 yards and three touchdowns, and you're like, wow. So I think his value in a daily fantasy situation uh, exceeds that of a seasonal because here's the thing about Jim Bob Cooter. Everyone praises Jim Bob for really helping Stafford, but what if anything, he's made Stafford more conservative where that the days of him throwing for 5,000 yards are probably gone. But, um, you know, so he's kind of robbed him of his ability to be a gunslinger. Like I still think yeah, Stafford is a gunslinger, but not in that Farvian way that he was early in his career. So, you know, he, instead of throwing for 400, 340 and three touchdowns is his upside, but that's still pretty damn good when you look at it six or seven times a year. And, you know, for me, just like Eli, from a redraft situation, I love it that I can get Stafford round seven or eight without even really batting an eye. Yeah. I, I got to believe that uh, at least part of the reason that we love talking about Jim Bob Cooter is it's so damn fun to say yeah. Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> yeah. I'll run through our consensus top 12 quarterbacks. Uh, the guys we didn't talk about, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, everybody's top three in some order. I, I have yet to see, okay, other than my rankings where I have Brees first and Rodgers second, that's probably – uh, just a little bit of the Minnesota bias. I think I'll concede Aaron Rodgers is, is your number one quarterback this year. Uh, and then we go Ryan, Wilson, Luck, uh, Winston, Cousins, Carr, Roethlisberger, Newton, and Phillip Rivers, and guys that we've touched on a little bit. Uh, we will have uh, each of our individual rankings available via Cheat Sheet. Uh, your best bet's going to be to track us down on Twitter and follow us on Twitter. I am at... J-T-U-V-E-Y. Scott, where can they find you on Twitter? I am at ScottFish24. Jay, where are you at on Twitter for now? For now, I'm at, uh, at ATL underscore Jay Clemens, but uh, uh, with your prompting, it will <laughs> soon become M-I-N at Jay Clemens, but right now it's ATL underscore Jay Clemens. All right, and uh, our rankings will, will be for for the short term be hosted uh, by the good folks at League Safe uh, on League Safe Post. Uh, we'll be breaking down running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends in future podcasts. Uh, but that's a, a quick glance at the quarterback position uh, for Jay Clemens and Scott Fish. This has been John Tuvey on the inaugural voyage 
of the Fanball Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. This is a third-place show on a fourth-rate network. Yeah, but that's all going to change once I grow a goatee. He's just crazy enough to do it, too.